The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code ROSS only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a finish strong Friday. I already talked to my daughters about it. We finished the work week strong so we can enjoy the weekend. Little daddy soda time starting at 5 p.m. Eastern time today. And it's a Finish Strong Friday, so it's presented by winners. We like winners. I want winners. I want people that want to win. That's really what we're all about, right? We are the little engine that could. We're not one of these big podcasts from NFL.com or ESPN or even The Ringer or CBS. No, we are an independent. And so we need every single one of you, because you're awesome, to chip in from time to time in your own way, like Adam Parrish Christensen, who made a Facebook comment. It all counts, Adam. I am watching all of it. YouTube comments at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL YouTube subscribers. I'll get to the YouTube subscriber shout out a little bit later in the show. Who The person that subscribed this week is going to get a shout out. We've also got... Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL across the board. Hopefully you guys are already following me so you don't ever miss any of the pearls of wisdom that I drop on the various social media platforms, including I had a substitute press box food video last night. Last night was supposed to be preseason week one. I believe I was supposed to be in Indianapolis, Indiana for the Eagles and the Colts. That obviously didn't happen. So I showed myself making a healthy salad last night. Not nearly as cool, but you can still see what it's like at Ross Tucker NFL. And then all the shows, all of our podcast stuff is at Ross Tucker Pod, including the awesome highlight clips from people like Greg Cosell. Intern Casey did a great job there. You get the two or three best clips of each show. You can watch and see the conviction with which I say it, or Greg, or whatever. Um, The sponsor confirmation email winner, Joel Buckwalter, Mint Mobile. Wow, Joel, I haven't mentioned Mint Mobile in a while. Maybe they're still on the sponsors tab at RossTucker.com, but you took advantage of our code at Mint Mobile. You sent it in. Good for you. Thank you, Joel. Let me know, Adam and Joel, whether you'd rather have a signed picture or a signed card. 
Ross at RossTucker.com. Patron shout-outs today, Bob Ober. We got a new patron, Bob Ober. Welcome to the family, Bob, patreon.com slash RT Media. And I need to give a shout-out to the guy from Maine that sent me the spicy mustard from Maine. I can't find your email. I don't remember your name. But I want you to know I appreciate the spicy Maine mustard that you sent me. Next week, we're having maybe the coolest giveaway we've ever had. So keep your eyes and ears posted for that one. But right now, it's Big Show time. It's Greg Cosell. The Big Show. You know him. You love him. He joins me every Friday, occasionally on Thursdays. It'll be Thursdays during the season. You can follow him at Greg Cosell. That way you know everywhere he's doing work, including Fantasy Points where you can get a discount if you use the code FEAST, which is awesome. Again, fantasypoints.com, all kinds of content from Greg there. Greg, good morning. As always, great to talk with you. Good morning, Ross. How are you today? You know what? I'm awesome because I'm talking with you. And uh, we have both of our co-sales concepts. We might not even get into the second one. Came to us from Ryan Bredin, B-R-E-D-I-N. Ryan plays tight end for St. Anselm, which is a Division II school uh, in New England, in Vermont. He loves the show, wants to be a coach. His roommate's a football player at St. Anselm. He wants to be a coach. And they listen to every episode, but they especially listen to (laughs) Coach Sell's concepts because they want to be coaches. They love it. They talk about the episodes. He wants to dive into the air raid, which I think St. Anselm might run, and Taysom Hill types, which I think Ryan's body type at 6'4", 230, is kind of a a, a Taysom Hill type. But speaking of tight ends, before we get into that, two huge contracts yesterday for George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And I guess I just want to start with your breakdown, because even though a lot of people consider them – the two best tight ends in the NFL. When I think of them, I think of two different things. I think of different players. So, Greg, why don't we start with George Kittle and the type of player that he is? Well, you're right. They're different players. And, and my buddy Matt Bowen and I were talking about this yesterday, actually, when all this came about. Uh, they, they, in a sense, fit their systems perfectly although I will say that I believe that Kittle could play in Andy Reid's system, and I don't think Kelsey could do what Kittle is asked to do in, in Kyle Shanahan's system. I think Kittle is a twitchier athlete. I think that he's a tougher, stronger, more physical player. Uh, I think he has a little more functional mobility than Kelsey. Uh, I think Kittle is a tone-setter type player uh, with great receiving ability. People may not remember, but Kittle at the Combine, he, his measurables were off the charts. His measurables were far better than O.J. Howard's. Kelsey, to me, is he's a receiver. He's not a poor blocker, but he's a receiver. hes I, I wouldn't say he's as smooth and as fluid as Kittle, but I think he's really, really good at the top of his route stem separating. I think he knows how to use his body really, really effectively. I think he fits what Andy Reid does as a flexed player, whether it's in the slot or whether he's the boundary X, the single receiver on the backside of trips. Um, But I think, as I said, that Kittle 
is in many ways a more physically tougher and more complete player who could play in any system. So, so much good stuff there. Just out of curiosity, how would you compare Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey? Because it feels to me like those guys are similar in that they're really talented receivers, running routes, they're smart players. Neither one of them is Kittle in terms of run after the catch or blocking. How would you compare Kelsey and Ertz, just out of curiosity? I think Kelsey is better run after catch. I think that Zach Ertz is a really, really good route runner, knows how to get open against both man and zone. But Zach Ertz does not give you a lot of run after uh, and Kelsey is better at that than Ertz. And I think Kelsey has more vertical ability than Ertz. Um, Ertz is just a super, super consistent, short to intermediate uh, route runner. Um, as I said, really knows how to run routes. But he's not an explosive athlete vertically. Kelsey can get vertical. You know, when I think of it, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, I, the one thing that jumps out to me about Kittle I don't know if you've ever seen him, uh, Greg, in person. He's not nearly as physically impressive or physically imposing as you would think he would be for as dominant of a blocker as he is. You know, yeah. he wins a lot as a blocker with great technique, great feet. He runs his feet upon contact and persistence and finish. He's not like a, a big knock you off. the. I mean, when you look at George Kittle, you're like, really? Like that? that's the guy that I'm watching on tape? When you see Kittle in person up close, Greg, you're almost like, huh, I was kind of expecting more just in terms of, you know, how thick he is and how powerful he would be. No, he's not a thick guy like, let's say, a Gronk. He's not like that. But you made a great point about his blocking. He runs his feet exceptionally well and he's physically tough and mentally tough he's a finisher and i'm talking about as a blocker not only as a run after catch player but as a blocker uh so kittle to me could play in any system uh, i mean i just think of a game last year where he lined up in the slot and i think it was buddha baker who was on him and he just ran a phenomenal route and then run after catch was tremendous for about a 30 yard touchdown so Kittle, to me, is is the most complete tight end in that he could do anything you ask in any given system. It's kind of a funny transition, Greg, from talking tight ends to talking about the air raid offense. Uh, Where there's no tight ends. Yeah, that's what Ryan Bredin, uh, one of our listeners that we love, wanted us to chat about. We do take, by the way, Cosell's Concepts requests, although we only have a couple weeks left before we'll actually be breaking down games, which is extremely exciting. Uh, so we got a couple of weeks left. If you want to send in a suggestion, Ross at RossTucker.com or contact at RossTucker.com. When I just say air raid offense, Greg, what does that mean to you? Well, there's a lot there. This is not one of those simple things. So let's, let's kind of walk through it a little bit. And, and I won't talk for too long. I'll let you jump in. The air raid is a at its core is a passing offense. It really, it's, its principles, what became the air raid, really started with Sid Gilman, and then they went to Lavelle Edwards and Doug Scoville at BYU. And the premise being that if you can 
stretch the field. If you can allocate receivers across the field horizontally and at varying depths, that no zone defense can cover them. There's just not enough space built into that as well were man-to-man route concepts. So you're allocating receivers across the field at different depths, and then you're having man-to-man concepts within that. So theoretically, on the blackboard, uh, there's no defense that could, could cover these particular route concepts. And there's specific route concepts, which we can get into in a minute, that are specific to the air raid offense. So when I think of it, and this is going to be overly simplistic, Greg. I think of four receivers, one back, or five receivers, quarterback in the gun, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, not really the zone read, read option stuff, although I know some of these teams are, are implementing that. But I, I that's what I think of. I think of four or five receivers, quarterback in the gun, ball out quick. Well, a lot of this expanded over time. When it started, it was not in the shotgun, and it was not four wide receivers. Mike Leach, who's an air raid proponent, and obviously was on the staff with, with Hal Mummy, and uh, and then was obviously a coach at a number of different schools. Um, you know, his innovation was he went with four wide, he went with shotgun. Uh, so... Uh, you know, there's different ways. Obviously, everything gets tweaked raw. So now we're at the point in an ideal air raid offense. We saw what Cliff Kingsbury tried to do to start the season last year with four wide receivers. And then as he saw what the NFL was, he had to make some adjustments and then, you know, add some ends here. But at its core, it's a, what it's become is a shotgun offense. You're spreading the field. Your O-line splits, and you can speak to this, your O-line splits are theoretically wider, but that's tough to do in the NFL, so you have to be careful with that. But essentially, it's a passing offense where you're putting extreme pressure on zone coverage, and you have man-to-man route concepts. One route that's considered to be air raid, and I'm always leery, because when I did the book with Ron Jaworski years and years ago and did a ton of research, a lot of things that people thought a specific coach originated, I would see that in tape that I was able to get from 20 years before that. So I'm always leery of saying, well, they originated this. But one thing that is clearly associated with the air raid is what's called the mesh concept. We, everybody runs it in the NFL. It's basically two shallow crosses, one from each side. And the receivers cross each other. They literally could, could hold hands as they cross each other. That's a man-to-man beater concept. Because if you're playing man, and those receivers literally run right next to one another as they cross underneath, what do the corners do or the defenders do? It's very hard. So that particular route, the mesh concept, which everybody runs now, that's considered an air raid concept. So, so many things I can get into here, Greg, but... You know, for years, there were times where, like, Tom Brady would like to go empty, and he would like empty because it forces the defense to kind of show their hand and declare what they were doing. Is that is that not more or less a form of air raid offense when Brady would go empty and just kind of get the ball out quick going down the field? Well, again, when all this started, the air raid, that was not really the plan, in my opinion, because you weren't dealing with defenses that were quite as advanced and detailed and nuanced as they are now. Um, I think the air raid was really established proactively as an as 
offensive deal and with a way to attack any defense that you were going to face. Um, man, zone, blitz, you know, I mentioned Mets. You have other routes that are considered air raid routes, you know, and again, getting into the terminology, but this is what the air raid is. It's, you know, they have crossing routes. They have all the, the Y receiver runs the Y cross, the what. Why sale? Flood, which is in the NFL now, every team runs flood. It's a three-level concept to one side of the field. You have a, a deeper route, an intermediate route, and a shallow route to one side of the field. That's called flood. It's a three-level concept to one side. Everybody runs it. A lot of people associate that with uh, error. Four verticals, if you're in a two-by-two two set, you run four vertical routes. That's associated with the air raid. So it's it's route concepts that theoretically can attack and break down zone and man. So you you said something interesting when you said Cliff Kingsbury figured out what the NFL was. I'd like you to expound upon that. Well, keep one thing in mind, and then there's a lot of defensive coaches who I've talked to over the years who will, will tell you this. If you're going to line up, in a, a true spread formation, okay, whether it's four wide or you go empty, you can pressure the quarterback. If you decide as a defense that you want to pressure the quarterback when a team goes in a spread formation, you can do that. And then what you do is you increase the tempo and you force the quarterback to get rid of the football. So it's difficult in the NFL to play that as your base foundational scheme. It can be part of what you do. No question that teams do it and are very successful with it. But it becomes more difficult. Uh, you know, when you have five blockers, five offensive linemen, even if there's a back offset in the backfield, if you're going to get a linebacker who's bigger than a back running at him at full speed, that becomes a tough deal for a back in the NFL. Uh, so it, it becomes tougher to run true spread everything has to be quick everything and in the nfl you're trying to create explosive plays and explosive plays come usually usually with passes that are a little further down the field well it just becomes a little more difficult to run that as your base approach um i remember speaking to an air raid coach a number of years ago and he basically told me that the quarterback didn't have much to do at all Action. He didn't need to understand all the nuances of defense because all you're basically doing is throwing it based on the route concept, which you know, of course, is the quarterback. The first guy that shows that's open, you're just throwing it to that guy. And it, it, a lot of people call that pure progression. You're not really working off the defense. You have your first read, your second read, your third read. First read's open, you throw it. He's not open, you go to your second read, you throw it. It doesn't matter what the defense is. You're just throwing it based on who's open. Uh, last question on that would just be the Arizona Cardinals running success last year and, you know, how they did that. And was it a product of still having a lot of those four receivers nope. that you nope. don't see that often? I studied Kenyon Drake a number of months ago. I looked at uh, when they got Kenyon Drake, and actually a large majority of his success came in what would be considered more traditional and conventional NFL formations, tight ends, sometimes two tight ends, 
ace runs that are NFL runs. Kenyon Drake's success did not come from four widespread looks where uh, where the defense had a light box. It came in far more conventional, traditional NFL run games. Interesting. Okay, because I don't know that people all realize that. You know, I think Kingsbury got a lot of credit for Kenyon Drake's success. And look, he's still the one calling the plays, but it was more traditional looks. Without question. And by the way, I give Cliff Kingsbury a ton of credit because, you know, coaches coach what they know, Ross. And Kingsbury is a young coach and he grew up in the area. That's what he knows. And I give him a ton of credit for recognizing that in the NFL that you have to do different things. You can't just do one thing. And he recognized that. And he, he I thought, you know, just based on tape study, that he did a real nice job. I'm, I'm real curious to see. Uh, what happens this year, of course, with this pandemic offseason, he probably couldn't do a lot of the things he would have ultimately loved to do, but we'll see. So I want to ask one question about the Taysom Hill types. And yeah. uh, Ryan's thesis was that a guy like Taysom Hill provides a lot of value and can essentially save a roster spot because he can be – a backup quarterback, a third-string tight end, maybe third-string running right. back, et cetera. Do you think we'll see more Taysom Hill types? And Do you agree with Ryan about the value that they can provide in terms of you know, filling multiple roles with one man? Well, getting to it from an offensive perspective, I think you might for this simple reason. One way the NFL – game has evolved offensively, and maybe this does come from college, the NFL game, to some degree, has become more about misdirection and deception. Teams are trying to create explosive plays. If you can create explosive plays, players like Hill, who can line up in the backfield, he can line up as a receiver, you have another quarterback on the field. People are thinking this way about Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, if he gets some snaps here, uh, while Carson Wentz is the quarterback is you're trying to create explosive plays with deception elements, with misdirection elements. And if you can have that kind of player, I think there's a place for that. Now, is Taysom Hill going to play 60 snaps a game? No, he's not. Uh, but as I said, the goal offensively is to try to create explosive plays. So you could see that depending on who the player is. You got to follow him on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. He's a stud. You know that. That's why you come every Friday to listen to him here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thank you, Greg. All right, Ross. Appreciate it. There he is, Greg Cosell. Freaking awesome, as always. You know what else is awesome? Native deodorant. It doesn't just block odor better. It's made better. Native has ingredients you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Here's the two things, right? The two things you need to know about Native. Number one, it's all natural. Number two, my wife absolutely loves it. My wife has a very strong sense of smell. When I put on the cucumber and mint or coconut and vanilla, she knows and she mentions it. So let me see, how do I say this? How do I say this in a good way? 
When it's important that I smell good, I make sure I'm wearing native, if you catch my drift, okay? That's the key. Plus, native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. You can see why so many people love native and check out the over 14,000 five-star reviews. Do what I did. Make the switch to native today by going to nativedo.com slash Ross or use promo code Ross at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash Ross or use promo code Ross at checkout for 20% off your first order. Tux Takes. Morning, Ross. Let's start today with the Kittle and Kelsey deals. Your thoughts? Well, financially, you know, George Kittle gets $15 million a year, five years, $75 million. He was going into the last year of his rookie contract. I mean, he made peanuts, NFL, relatively speaking, over the last three years as a fifth-round pick. So, you know, for him to get $15 million a year is huge. He got $30 million fully guaranteed at signing. The most any tight end had gotten was Austin Hooper at $18 million fully guaranteed at signing. So if you look at the high watermarks with Hunter Henry or Hooper's average per year being $10 million or a little bit more and the $18 million at signing, Kittle got way more. But I got to tell you, I kind of feel like he's still underpaid. I mean, he is an absolute weapon in the passing game, in the running game. He's a monster in every aspect of the game, a true difference-making player for the Niners. And for him to still be making less money per year than Jarvis Landry or Sammy Watkins, some of these other receivers, man, you can't tell me he doesn't provide more value than those guys. Kelsey's deal is interesting kind of like Mahomes, kind of like the other deals they've done. He's not really getting a whole lot more cash now. He does get more cash next year, and then he gets more cash after that. But I saw a guy like Joe Banner say, boy, he's in real danger of getting cut in the later years of this deal. Didn't love the structure for Kelsey, but he had two years left, and they gave him some more guarantees. They gave him a little bit more up front, a little bit more next year, and it was worth it to him. Tux takes. Well, they weren't the only guys getting paid. Uh, up in Buffalo, both head coach Sean McDermott and tackle Deion Dawkins received contract extensions as well. Deion Dawkins, same year as Kittle, going into his fourth year. He's established himself as a very good left tackle, gets $15 million a year on a four-year deal from the Bills, which, by the way, even just a four-year deal, he'll hit free agency again before George Kittle will, when the money should be significantly more with the TV deals over the next few years. And Sean McDermott's earned it. I mean, the Bills have made the playoffs two out of the last three years when they hadn't made it in forever. They've got a really good roster. They look like they're going to be a division winner this year in my mind. So he's earned it. Tux takes. 
Meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys made a move by signing defensive end Everson Griffin and the Bengals signed D-tackle Mike Daniels and placed wide receiver John Ross on the COVID list after he left the team to attend a family matter. Well, evidently, John Ross's child and the mother of that child, I don't know if they're married or engaged or whatever, uh, they both tested positive for COVID. And so John Ross felt like he had to go back and take care of both of them. Understandable. I don't know what that means for when he'd be able to come back to the Bengals again or when he'd be able to, to play again. You know, I'd have to assume there's a pretty good chance he'll end up getting COVID if he's going back and taking care of the mother of the child and the child himself. But uh, props to John Ross for taking care of family business. Mike Daniels, they add him to DJ Reader. Geno Atkins, the Bengals have a pretty nice rotation there at D-tackle now. And then Everson Griffin, you know, you still look at like Brandon Thorne's Twitter. Everson Griffin still played at a really high level last year. So I thought that was a good move by the Cowboys. You never go wrong investing on the D-line. And to have somebody opposite the Marcus Lawrence, he can even bump in at times. I thought that was a huge move by the boys. Ducks takes. Speaking of COVID, the NFL, after 110,000 tests, less than half a percent positive rate so far. Other news, uh, Seahawks cut rookie Kima Sivarand after he tried to sneak a woman into the team hotel. And sad news, legendary line coach Howard Mudd passed away after a motorcycle accident. So I'll go reverse order. Howard Mudd, an absolute legend. You said it, Bri. I have so much respect for him Unbelievable job he did, you know, getting the most out of guys like Jake Scott and Ryan Lilja and Jeff Saturday, these late round picks that were considered undersized or whatever the case may be, you know, came from smaller schools, whatever whatever the case is. And Howard Mudd got tremendous production out of guys like that. He didn't care about your pedigree or background. And I love that about him. I also loved his pass blocking technique, close the distance, jump sets, attack. Not a fan of the vertical set, and neither am I. Big believer in what Howard Mudd did. Sad to see him go. I actually spoke to him or had him on the show, I think, when his book came out, his O-line book came out. Kima Siverand, I mean, it's kind of a hilarious story. You know, he's staying in the team hotel during training camp, and you're not allowed to have any guests. He had uh, a female friend, I suppose, put on a hooded sweatshirt, a hooded Seahawks sweatshirt, so that they could come in the building and try to be disguised, come in the building with him. It did not work. They caught him on video, and they cut him. So that was his chance, and he'll probably never get another one. So he'll probably regret that the rest of his life. I joked on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL that, you know, I don't think the Seahawks would cut Russell Wilson if he tried to bring his sneak, his wife, Ciara into, uh, into the team hotel. And what's amazing about that to me, Brian, is all of the people that were like, Oh, really going out in the limb there. Of course they wouldn't. Yeah, they probably wouldn't, but Russell wouldn't do that. Guys, guys, I'm kidding. Get a grip. Of course they wouldn't cut Russell Wilson if he tried to bring his wife into the building. 
you know, we, we never would have heard about it. They would have just said, hey, Russell, don't do that again. Okay, I won't. Like, it's unbelievable. Sar uh, Twitter really does need a sarcasm font. It's frankly an interesting case study. Anytime I have a joking or sarcastic or facetious tweet to see how many people are not able to comprehend that. It's, it really is interesting. Uh, and then huge positive news in my mind about the NFL. I think I've talked about this before, certainly other places. I really thought that the NFL would have a lot more initial positives, but then after they got them in their protocols and procedures, that those numbers would be way, way down after that. Well, they're starting way, way down. 0.46% positivity, and that even includes some false positives out of 110,000 tests for players and staff. And we know three head coach. I mean, I think it's like 53 players have actually tested positive. Remember, you get put on that list whether you test positive or you've been around somebody that tests positive. So it's pretty incredible, really, when you think about it. Makes me feel very, very good about the NFL moving forward. Now, I think they'll still have some positives. They'll still have some blips on the radar, but they're starting from a much better place than I thought they would be. Speaking of starting, we started a YouTube page uh, about a month and a half ago. It's youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. We know a lot of you have your podcast app. That's how you listen. We love it. We appreciate it. Maybe tell people that don't listen to podcasts to check out youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, or maybe go ahead and check out some of the highlight clips that we post on our social media platforms or whatever. Reminder, even if all you do is just subscribe to the YouTube page, I am doing a cameo style shout out for one subscriber a week. This week, it's Ronnie Angel is the new subscriber this week. Ronnie, congratulations. Send me an email, ross at rosstucker.com. Let me know who you'd like me to give the shout out to. It's a video shout out, 20 to 40 seconds, where I can say whatever you want me to say for whoever you want. All you have to do is subscribe at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, busy week next week. I think until the season starts, our schedule will be Ross Tucker Football Podcast and College Draft on Monday. Tuesday, we're going to do Even Money a day early. Wednesday, we will do Ross Tucker Football Podcast with Andrew and Fantasy Feast Part 1 with Joe Dolan. Thursday will be Fantasy Feast Part 2. Friday will be Ross Tucker Football Podcast with the GC, Greg Cosell. So you'll have at least one podcast every day. And Monday and Wednesday, you'll get two for the next few weeks. And then when we get to the season, this show will be daily. Your 30-minute football fix. All you need to know about what's going on in the NFL from a player's perspective. I think we're done here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. And Ross, we forgot one thing.
What do you say at the end of every episode? Dynastyfreaks.com and pizzaboybrewing.com. You never know when we're going to give you that shout out, we promise you. Now I think we're done here. Again, bye. You can leave now. See ya.